Support the podcast by buying a copy of The Shad Line Rises by me, Eric Kent Edstrom. It's available on Amazon, Kobo, Barnes & Noble, Apple, anywhere ebooks are sold, also available in paperback. Chapter 32. Feebler Still. Kyla let Henley explain the Durslin wheel to highest quiv. She immediately began walking the circle, searching for one particular column. Dunipples stood like a statue in the center of the wheel, right where she'd left him. Maintaining the wheel shift took no effort at all with the Vazan. It still made her skin crawl to think of what she was doing to the man. Penny had joined the cats who were sipping from the channel of clear water running through the circle. What are you looking for? Quinn asked. She'd remembered Kyla's transgression with Black and had grown sullen again. A symbol, three slashes from the upper left to lower right. Why those? Highest Quiv asked. He had his nose pressed to a column, finger tracing a circle bisected by two vertical lines. This feels like metal. It is. The symbols all glowed a brilliant white that turned to blue at the fringes in Kyla's Mercus vision. She had never seen this particular alloy anywhere else. Three slashes... Quinn said, voice tired and irritated. There, she pointed. Excellent. Will you tell us what you mean to do? Highest Quiv asked. Yes, I mean to open a portal to a beach. Portal? Like a door? Penny said. Why not demence us? Kyla flashed a glance at Quinn, who blanched at the mere mention of dimensing. I can't do it yet. I don't know how. But you can open a portal to a beach, here? These columns are Mercus relics. Each one leads to a different place, I think. Your confidence is inspiring, Quinn said. Quinn, Henley said softly. Kyla didn't see what he did, but Quinn went to join him. She didn't bother listening to their whispered conversation. Her focus was on the three slashes as she tried to remember just what she'd done to open the portal before. It had been similar to heating the iron in the Thinny's blood, but instead of heat, she had added to the glow of the metal in her Mercus vision. It had failed once before, had thrown her onto her backside. She was glad Marlowe hadn't been around to see that. But he had been there to see her fall backward through the portal, and he'd seen her nearly eaten by a dragon. Quiv was saying something, warning her of something, she wasn't listening. The man was always nervous. He'd told her he liked to stay out of the reach of danger when playing dangerous games. Leave it to a woman, then, to get them out of this place. She continued to add to the glow of the three slashes, paying special attention to the smells. At the edge of her ability to detect it came the scent of moist sand. Salt air ruffled through the fuzz of hair on her scalp. That's it she mumbled, seeking to enhance the smells. Now, open your virgin ring window, you overgrown post. The column responded to her request in wondrous fashion. The white and blue glow intensified as it spread vertically. When it was two spans high, it puckered at the center. With a slow, ragged tear, the portal opened. Like a hole burned through the center of paper, except this did not char the air so much as rip it. An uneven hole, tall enough for an atlan, 
wide enough for three, stood in the air before her where the column had been. A number of curses arose behind her. Quiv added an especially delicious one that Kyla vowed to remember for later use. In the space beyond the hole, a beach. Blue sky met a turquoise sea in a sharp horizon line. Waves curled onto the shore, foaming white before they tipped forward to crash and wash upon the sand. The surf rushed toward them, thinned, slowed, and finally spilled a bucket's worth of seawater onto the floor at Kyla's feet. Kills babe in a bonnet, Quinn said. Where, where is that? Kyla waggled her pursed lips back and forth a few times. Let's find out. She stepped through, eyes immediately going to the sky. After the darkness of the Durslin wheel, she was forced to squint. The sand blazed under the sun and glared from the ocean. It's like Garden Island, Henley said. The air has the same feel. Not those trees, though, Quiv said. He pointed at a stand of scraggly ones, trunks twisted and gnarled. They stood in thick ranks along the top of the beach, just out of reach of the tides. The leaves were heavy and flat, bright green. Blue fruit hung from low branches. Kyla brought Eeples through. Penny followed, then Quinn. Watch for dragons, Kyla said, scanning the sky. What was that? Quiv asked absently. Dragons, did you say? Yes, I was nearly swallowed by one when I came through the last time. That got Quiv's attention. He no longer looked around in wonder so much as in fear. Why in Till's bloody name did you bring us here? She lifted a shoulder. It's the one I knew I could open. I just wanted to try it on something I knew worked before I just... We should go back, Henley said. What? Why? Huff says startle is that way. He pointed east, out to sea. But if this is the eastern shore... Quinn turned to orient herself to the blazing sun, which stood low to the east, as if just risen. Then we'd have to be far, far west of Starside here, with the entire western realm, Lostra, the Destic Desert, the Near Plain, the Honor Mountains between us. Henley whistled. Back to the Durslin? He eyed Kyla. Quiv was already stepping through, calling for Quinn and Penny to follow. They returned to the dark cavern, now cold and dry by comparison. Though it had no discernible ceiling, Kyla felt the gloom press on her now. She brought Eeples back through and stationed him in the center of the ring of columns. At least there's one way out, she said as she released her power. The burning fringes of the portal collapsed and then vanished, leaving the column as it had been. Which one's next? she asked. How about this one? She went to the one Quiv had been tracing earlier. The symbol was a circle bisected by vertical lines. Already the glow was growing. No, wait, highest Quiv called. Why? We won't find a good one unless I keep opening them. Patience, please. If you wouldn't mind releasing Dunheeples, I think perhaps he might be able to help here. He scratched his chin and bent close to a different column. These ruins look familiar to me. Kyla let the wheel-shift gem go. Eeples sagged, shoulder drooping, head dipping. Kyla realized she'd kept too tight a hold on the man. Next time, she'd go easier. Next time? Had she embraced the necessity already? 
She rubbed her elbows, suddenly chilled by the cavern. Get what you can out of him, she said to Highest Quiv. The frazzled Donesmaster allowed himself to be guided to a column. Highest Quiv spoke with hushed enthusiasm, a note of speculation in his voice. At first, Eeples didn't respond, his shoulders rising and falling as he sought to catch his breath. But then Quiv had out the diary he'd shown to Kyla. He flipped through the pages excitedly, no longer showing the gentle reverence he'd demonstrated before. He jabbed a finger onto a page. Eeples was looking now, keenly. Highest Quiv had ignited a dormant scholarly interest in the man. But Eeples was shaking his head. No, no, the sigil time form was lateral, and see here. He moved two columns along. This has the ascender angled, and they didn't use this arm. Quiv clucked his tongue and squinted to, and squinted to and from his book. But the resemblance is there, no? Eeples was unwilling to concede anything, but his mind had been captured by the notion Quiv had raised. Byzantine reputedly had its own glyph style in the half-age. It would have been derived from Sigiltinian. Not as fussy as all that. He waved his hand at Quiv's book. Byzantine? How could you know that? Eeples got cagey all of a sudden. There are a handful of wrong volumes in the library of Don Francis Le Miller. I spent many happy hours there, researching, mind you. Of course, researching. Quiv flashed a meaningful look at Kyla. She didn't catch the meaning, unfortunately. I learned to speak the language of the first race, Henley said. A little, but it was transliterated into Ennish. My tutor didn't have any text to teach me the glyphs. Same for me, Quinn said. They had gathered around the two Donesmasters. But if these ruins are first race glyphs, then they should refer to place names, no? Quiv returned his book to his satchel. That's what I thought, but another notion is coming to me, one I don't like. Simple identifiers, Eeples said, nodding, which means that was a catalogue, and without it, we're back to the girls' guesswork. One of you better speak plain or I'm going to straighten your tongues, Kyla said. It was Quiv who deigned to answer. Eeples was wandering among the columns now, tracing glyphs and muttering to himself. What Don Eeples is saying is there would have been a catalogue list. It would show each of these glyphs, and next to it, the name of the destination to which its portal leads. So the glyphs themselves might not have any significance, Henley said. That doesn't make any sense, Kyla said. Nobody wants to bother with looking something up on a list. What do you suggest, then? Quiv asked archly. I don't know. Perhaps they're like banner flags, you know, like in the Throne of Iron stories. All the armsmen marched under their lord's banner flag, like the raven in flight for Starside. But these are glyphs, Quiv said with exaggerated patience, not symbols of heraldry. She's not wrong, Hipples said. Not entirely. Now he was rubbing his chin, scratching stubby fingers through his beard. The first race glyphs were derived from an older form of pictoglyphs. Uh, very few remain for reference. He pointed at a symbol before him, three parallel squiggles. River, or perhaps running water. Kyla could see it. But which river? I need paper, ink, he said abruptly. I cannot think without scribbling. Now Highest Quiv was nodding vigorously. I have a goose stylus in my case, 
a pot of ink, but no paper. I do, Kyla said, digging out the blank book she'd brought from the library. Rather small, Eeples groused, but I have cramped writing. Within a minute, he was sitting cross-legged, ink at one knee, quill in hand, and Kyla's book in his lap. Bring your light ball down closer, boy, he snapped at Henley. My eyes are old. Henley complied. Eeples narrated as he sketched an oblong shape across a two-page spread. This is the first-raced realm of Helosin. It stretched from Starside to Illyria and subjugated all nations in between. He dotted in Garden Island and Anso next to it. A narrow loop to the south described Iops. This is dreadful, he murmured, sketching in squiggles for rivers, jagged lines for mountain range, and dark dots for cities. Truly, my skills are deplorable. But the orientation is all that matters, no? He was speaking to himself now, drawing a map from memory. Finally, he made a little star on the coast. What we call Starside, he said, or Stermuen, as the first race called it. Star, moon. Kyla's skin thrilled. That last part is like Semuen. Quiv shook his head and eyed Eeples. The man didn't know anything of Kyla's mother, she realized, and probably best to keep it that way, considering his already poor opinion of her. But Eeples merely nodded. Se could mean water, but also daughter, so daughter of the moon, daughter of the water. But in relation to the fabled spirit, I'd say both were inferred by the name. Perhaps more strongly toward moon— Lumni is Semuin's mother, after all. Moonlight and water are kindred qualities in virgin lore. He bent to his map, now humming softly as he dotted in more cities and strongholds. Kylas straightened and looked at Nax. The cat was huddled next to Huff at the edge of the water channel. I'm Lumni's granddaughter, she sent. Nax blinked, keeping her eyes closed for a long time before opening them to slits. Who? Lumni, as in Lumni's wakeless dream, the mistress of sleep and death, the warming arms who receive those who perish? Nax didn't answer except to close her eyes. Henley's hand on her shoulder startled Kyla. Sorry, he said. Huff said Nax is concerned because you were babbling. If Nax was truly concerned, she would have come over and nuzzled Kyla's shin. No, Nax was just disinterested. Did you hear Yeeple's? I'm Lumni's granddaughter. The mistress of the wakeless dead is my nana? No wonder Jean bolted. I would. I heard. I'm still here. She flattened her lips. You're here because you're stuck with me in this place. Eeples cried with delight. I've got it! Now he had his tongue clamped between his teeth as he scrawled tiny symbols over dots. So simple, so obvious! Highest Quiv was sitting next to him on the floor. They looked like two boys playing a game. Axel, yes. Wolves, yes. I see that. But but here. He pointed to the oasis city of Trist in the middle of the Destic Desert. Surely not Quoa. That's better suited for something wet, tropical. Yes, Dunneeples roared. Like Garden Island? He scratched out the Destic glyph and scribbled it over Garden Island. Kyla understood the notations, if not the glyphs themselves. At the moment, she only cared about one thing. What about Starside? What's the symbol for Stermuin? 
Eeple sucked in his breath and flipped to a blank sheet. Now he was making shapes. First a star, then a circle, then a waxing moon and a waning moon. Bisected, surely, Quiv suggested, the divide. Yes, yes, yes! Eeples crossed out his previous attempt and carefully formed a new one, mumbling to himself. The southern moon, the northern star, divided city, mountains backing. He laughed softly. <laughs> it's obvious, isn't it, Highest Quiv? Laurel! Highest Quiv slapped his forehead. There it is, staring at us right in the face. Well done, sir, well done! He scrambled to his feet and rushed to the columns. The others joined him, each searching for the glyph Dunneeples had formed. The one Quiv had called a laurel. A vertical line, half-circle on the left, the right half of a pentagram on the right. I saw that one before, Henley said. I'm sure of it. Rather a literal glyph, isn't it? Quinn said, poking from one column to the next. If you're seeking the whole city, Highest Quiv said. But we think of Starside as the whole city. It is not. The first race surely would not have, or they wouldn't have called it Stermuin. There was no point proceeding in a methodical manner. The symbols didn't stay put. Kyla passed the three angled lines to the beach four times in a row before encountering a dome-topped square. A quick check with Eeples told her he had not assigned that one, but he noted it down. Many will have no spot on my map, I fear, he said mournfully. The lost realms of the first race are many compared to the feeble civilizations of man. And what of woman? Quinn called. Feebler still, girl. A sad line you may be, but I'll show you a hundred thousand daft house mothers to every one like yourself. Quinn muttered several imprecations at Eeples, his way, and men in general. But it was Penny who offered the most cutting rejoinder. Who is dafter, the simple woman or the studied man who laughs at her? She was tracing column symbols with her fingers. I found it. She had. This will open to Starside, Kyla said with more hope than confidence. But where? The last one didn't open to another Durslin wheel. Yes, that's curious, Highest Quiv said. Most curious. Something to ponder indeed. Marlow will curse himself blue when he learns what we've discovered, Kyla said, already adding to the glow of the laurel glyph. Pack your ink and quill, Dunneeples. You can continue scribbling once we've settled in our rooms. Rooms, Quinn said. What rooms? Surely the Lady Pauline can spare a few in her great house? And then the portal burned open. Spread before them was blackness. Henley's Mercus light probed ahead before Kyla could step through. Columns lit up. Her suspicion had proven true. It was another Durslin wheel. That makes more sense, Highest Quiv said, but he didn't make any move to step through. Kyla did, and she saw at once it was the wheel she knew, for it held many of the supplies Marlowe had brought in when he'd been hiding here from the Hargath. We're home, she said, and stepped through. <laughs>